And it's not like, you know, let's talk about improving gas yeah. mileage. It's no. literally like, mm, chocolate syrup. Yep. That's what America needs. Rich, you know what season it is? Winter? Political advertising spend season. We've touched on this subject because it's a big one. It's well, an you know, important one. All, we talk about it in the context of Facebook. Let's tell people how we know that there are 270 days between now and the election. You know how I know? How? I went to a website called tinymonth.com. What's that? <laughs> it's another labs project that we've built and launched. We just keep dabbling. Every month or so, we like to get something new out into the world that nobody's ever seen before. What do you get when you go to tinymonth.com? It's like the uh, matte calendar you'd see on old desks. Right, right. It's got the All whole year 12 on months, it. you can oh, see it in one view. Handy. Just glance. It's great to build little utility. So, Tiny Month, if you go check it out, it lets you put in kind of time frames, different time frames, and like your vacation or how long a project's going to take. It's a way to literally sketch out your year. I put in how many days until the next election. Right. It's 270, 260 or so. I can't remember exactly because it all blurs. That's 260 days of relentless advertising. And we better get ready. It's going to get more and more intense as we get closer and closer, obviously. You don't have to answer this. Do you have a Democrat you like? Love? No. No, I didn't say love. Modestly like. I think about the branding and the way that uh, I just don't buy any of these Democrat brands. I think that's this is not one you take out the big guns. Yeah, uh, that's I think true. you take out the big guns later. I got to tell you, I don't understand any of this. They're in Iowa. I don't give much of a shit about Iowa. It almost feels like, you know, the, the world's biggest rubber band ball. Yeah. But <laughs> it it's, reminds it's me of that. I guess what I'm trying to say is it's good that we recognize that we're federated as mm-hmm. states, but it's all a little bizarre. Hold and, on. Let me tell you the email we're going to be getting in about two hours after this. I love Iowa. <laughs> Hey guys. Yeah, I'm a product manager here at Insert Agribusiness Giant. <laughs> and I'll never be reaching out to you. Yeah, it won't be no, that. I, I said like, that wrong. I, I, let me take this. Let me walk this back a little bit. But whatever I guess what I'm trying to say is this is a long game. Yeah. And I think Oof. to really understand communication and design in the world of politics, it doesn't really show itself at this stage, right? It shows itself when the gloves come off later on. The thing about Iowa is that everybody's looking at Iowa. Obviously, yeah. Iowa is like, no, well, I don't know that, how to... The, they the had way a bad that, app. That's, that was rough. That was very rough. And we're not going to get into that either. No, but no. everyone is looking at it. But you don't see the, we don't see the ads yet. We're not no. important yet. We don't have skin in the game yet. Like, so that'll be later. I worry, frankly. I worry... Well, also, New York State doesn't matter. New York State does not matter. No, we're going to... That's gonna, true. Whoever the Democratic whatever that's true. is. But what I do think about, there was a day when you marketed in politics, there was an understanding of a certain level of decorum that had to be in place. Almost it was like the whole brand had to be kind of protected. To I give you an example, like a really expensive jewelry store Mm. isn't going to put a really greasy kind of cheesy advertisement out, right? They're trying to protect the integrity. Come on down to Tiffany's. Exactly. Exactly. And I think what's happened, this is just as a bystander observing, is Harry Winston. The Republicans in 16 said the hell with it. Do you know what people want? They oh, want just ready. They want potatoes. what do you call the big bre- what's it called? The Grand Slam breakfast. Yeah. They want what they want. Just to, just to feel a lot of hate need a stake. Exactly. That's the- and what I fear for Democrats is that oh, they always think it through. 
Well, no, they're still in Tiffany's. They got to stop thinking. <laughs> like people want the the Grand Slam breakfast, and I th- I hopefully you know whoever you know comes through no, gets true. that. And I think you know without again without wading into messaging and politics and whatnot, I think that is where we are. I think it's been accelerated through the internet and social media in a, in a very big way, such that if you've only got a second to pitch, the big flashing going out of business inflatable guy is powerful, and that's just our reality today. Or oh, like the wavy dancey guy. Yeah. Yeah, like you got a second, right? I'm, I'm flipping through. I'm either going to watch a minute of a really fast Taiwanese uh, street food vendor mm-hmm. <laughs> on Facebook. That's right. Or uh, my oh, mom. that Turkish guy who takes the ice cream out of your hand. Yeah, yeah or that. That's a big one. So I'm zipping through, man. And if you're going to get my attention, it's not going to work if you give me like a nice serif font with not, you know, just saying, do you have it in you to do what's right? Don't like allow, what's the, the Bloomberg campaign slogan is extraordinary. What it's is like, it? Being together for now, everyone. I mean, it's, yeah, it's okay. really. Yeah, I, I think this is our new reality. It's written by a neural net. So design and communication is a huge, huge part of this. It's fascinating to see how it's taken hold. I mean, you know what matters? What? The big red button. You know what the big red button says? What? Donate. What's the point of political advertising? It's to allow people to buy more political advertising. Yes. Yes. That's really what it's all about. Yes. So we should talk. There's someone who makes this their life's mission to understand. Let's talk to this person. We have Hunter Schwartz. Hunter, welcome to Track Changes. Hi, thank you. Thanks for having me. Hunter, where are you in the world? Right now I'm in Phoenix. All my stuff's out in D.C., but I've kind of been traveling a lot for work. I was just in Iowa this past weekend for the caucus. Oh, that's a clue. This is a clue. All right. Tell us about what you do. So I'm a political reporter. I've worked at outlets like CNN and The Washington Post. But most recently, I started my own publication called Yellow, Y-E-L-L-O. And Yellow, I kind of describe it as it's politics for your eyes. I write about the culture branding and visual rhetoric of politics. So like visual rhetoric that encompasses art, design, fashion, campaign staging, campaign ads, just like anything that is visual about about the way we talk about politics. Let's let's drill in a little bit, right? Let's focus on advertising for a second. When you're talking about the visual rhetoric or advertising, like what are you seeing in Iowa? What's it look like now? Well, it was it was really interesting to see. I looked a lot at, at digital ads and the way that campaigns express themselves online. And so it's interesting to go into the campaign field and just see what that means, you know, at rallies and stuff and the way supporters use that. Like, it's really interesting to see just kind of the way they take these elements from their logos and kind of extrapolate them. Like Joe Biden, like his logo has, he, he kind of uses those three stripes, kind of an American flag. Yeah, it, it's it's a little rough. Well, and, and, and so he uses it like, you know, he uses it in both Biden and Joe for the E. And there was also one he used that the caucus was on February 3rd. And so they use that stripe there. And so they kind of use it to pull it out for some other examples. I didn't see this one in person, but Tom Steyer uses that plaid look that he uses in his tie. They use that sometimes in rallies. So yeah, there's just a lot of different ways that campaigns are using design to, to kind of brand themselves and mark their campaign. Well, it's worth noting, I don't know if people think about this very much, but every major campaign, you know, primaries on up, has a pretty serious branding guide. Yeah, and that's something that is fairly new. Like, I think campaigns take design a lot more seriously than they did like 20 years ago. So I started writing about campaign design back in 2015 And I had a lot of friends who were designers, so that kind of informed the way that I thought about it. Like, 
I think most coverage of design and politics, it starts and ends with an article about the logo. It's like the primary start and then they do an article that's like kind of ranking the logos. But I had a lot of friends who worked in design and kind of saw that you could expand upon it. There was a lot more that you could write about. And so like I covered in 2015, I wrote about the rise of the single letter campaign logo, how just like the Obama O had inspired campaigns to kind of go for this like single letter look, whether it was the Romney R, of course, the Hillary H. And so we kind of saw that. And in 2020, that trend is gone. Like most campaigns are not using single letter. It's all about kind of the word mark for the name. You see these design trends in politics. And I think there's two things that influence campaign design. The first is just design trends at large. Like if something is happening in corporate America and you see these trends, that always influences politics because, of course, politics doesn't exist in a bubble. But then I think the second thing that influences political design is campaigns that win. If you were a presidential campaign and you have like this design that really stands out, like you can be sure that other campaigns are going to kind of copy that or copy elements of that. I get allergic to politics. I have a reaction after a while. Like I'll watch it for a while. I'm like, this is important. This is politics and these are our leaders. But I just get exhausted. So I kind of bail. But what happens is you end up seeing the visuals, even if you're not really paying attention to a lot of the news and the, and the reporting that's coming out of it. And it's all pretty bad. It's all pretty generic and bad. And I'm applying, I'm, I'm for a moment applying the same standard as I would apply to like, you know, I mean, you uh, got, three, brand co- a, you got a three colors can. you can work with here. Is that true? Do you have to work with those three? Like, let's talk about that. I call it the Top Gun effect. Everything looks like Top Gun. There's a star and it's kind of big, strong block letters. And No, but Mayor Pete looks like a very modern Texas barbecue. <laughs> Sauce. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, what? first off, how important is it? Let's start there. Does this matter? Well, I think first off, logos don't win presidential elections. But I do think design is part of a larger piece of a campaign's brand. So it's less about is this logo good or bad? And it's more about what message is this logo and design system? What message is that sending? And does that match the message of the candidate? Is it honest? Is it true to the campaign? Like you kind of go through American history and you see at different points we elect different types of presidents. Like early on in America, it was all about presidents with diplomatic backgrounds. Like we were a newbie country. Voters wanted someone who could interact with world leaders who had that experience. And then post Watergate, it's like people saw Washington as really bad and they wanted governors who were kind of outside of Washington, but still had this executive experience. So we elected a a string of governors. I mean, we're still kind of early into this, but it feels like we're in this new era where somebody who hasn't been around for a while, who doesn't have a lot of experience, if they have a strong brand and a strong message, they can really break through. Because it's like you look at Barack Obama. He hadn't even been in the Senate a full term. Donald Trump, no political experience, no elected office or military experience before he took office. And so I think kind of in this digital age, you're able to build this brand that can break through. And I think design is a major component of that. You know, I, I've looked at the different logos of the Democratic candidates that are out there today, and it's just, they're all pretty forgettable. I mean, honestly, I can't imagine, to me, when I think about Obama, I don't think about the O and the Sunset. You know what I think about? I think about that artwork, Shepard Ferry. That resonated in a different way than name of candidate in big font. It was less <laughs> brandy, right? Yeah. And so I guess speak to that a little bit. I mean, I know we don't want to over-index on this stuff and stuff and hyper-analyze it, but I think capturing imagination and getting people to connect is really to a vision 
is meaningful more than it is, hey, it's me, Pete. Look, it says Pete on my bus. Yeah, I don't think we would be here talking about this if it wasn't for Obama 2008, because that campaign really revolutionized the way we think about visual culture in politics. Part of it was just like his campaign was very well branded from the colors, the fonts, the logo, like they kind of had a very distinct look. But I think another big part of that was Shepard Fairey's Hope poster. So it's like you had this campaign that had a very corporate mindset when it came to branding and being very disciplined about that. But then you kind of had this street art cred that came with that. And I think that kind of, it was like all of those things together, like a logo in and of itself is not a brand. But you kind of put all of these pieces together. And and for the Obama campaign, it was all those pieces together along with his message and digital strategy and a lot of different things that kind of created this. I I do agree. Like when you set all of the Democratic logos next to each other, like a lot of them look the same. It's just this sans serif typeface that sets the name in. And so I think the ones that really do stand out to me are the ones that do it a little bit differently. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, no, right now the Democrats look like a food court in a nice urban area, right? Like just kind of, <laughs> oh, I'm going to go to Warren and get myself one of those grilled cheese sandwiches they do with olive oil. Let's talk about advertising for a sec, right? Because like, first of all, can you give people a sense of the scope and the scale, I just know there's a lot of money getting spent, but I, I don't know how like big this space is. Is anything about that that we could we can use to kind of understand? I mean, if, if you're going to look at advertising in 2020 so far compared to 2016, we would be about at the same level of money spent if it wasn't for the billionaires in the race. Uh, the Bloomberg and the Steyer campaign are spending a lot of money that makes 2020 just, it, it blows it out of the water in terms of how much money is spent. Where does Steyer's money come from? I can't remember. How did he make it, you mean? Yeah, I can't remember. I, I don't no know anything idea. about him. He's just a blur. Okay, but there's, so billions of dollars and then, sort of, so it'd be normal if you didn't have two people with unlimited pocketbooks. Yeah. So there's just like a lot more being spent. I think one reason why there's so much more focus on design and politics today is because like it's no longer about just a bumper sticker, just a button and just a TV ad. Like you have so many digital properties, you have social media properties. And so campaigns are really developing this whole design system that can be utilized across different platforms. You know, Facebook has an ad library where you can go through and look at how much the candidates are spending and what their ads look like. Google has one. And so it's just that there's so much content and advertising that's being produced. And so yeah, I, that's why that's why there's such a focus on it, just so you can have a coherent visual message across all the platforms. Is video getting bigger and bigger? Is it like, what is the goal of these political ads? I mean, a lot of them are to drive people to websites to give up their information. Like a a lot of what you see from the Trump campaign is like fill out this survey. Trump wants to hear from you. And then you go, you fill out the survey, you answer questions. And then at the end, they're like, give your name, address and phone number. So like a lot of it is list building. I'm not going to get into where I sit. Okay. All I know is, you know, politically, I'm not going to get into that. But I do want to say this. The Democrats are getting their lunch eaten. And of course, I roll my eyes when I see an eagle land on the top on the shoulder of a soldier. And there's just the sunrise in the background. And it says Donald Trump because it looks insane and ridiculous. But this is connecting for a huge population of people, right? I mean, this is a very big country. I mean, we all, everybody talks about why Hillary lost because she didn't go to the diners in the middle of America, right? So I'm not seeing that. I mean, I know that 
this is ultimately you're trying to win, right? And it all looks a little ridiculous on the Trump side. Everything looks like a trailer to an action movie, but it's working. So are people waking up to that on the Democrat side and saying, this is obviously meaningful to people. These kinds of signals are meaningful to people. It's not going to be enough. Like, is that in the mindset at all? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, like you look throughout Trump's entire career and he's always very straightforward with his branding. Like when he worked in business, communicating this message of luxury, like there was no doubt what message he was trying to communicate. And then he gets into politics and like Trump is not experimenting with color. Like he is doing the red, white and blue. It's very bold. It's very big. But then like on the Democratic side, you're seeing a lot more experimentation. And this is something it actually started back in 2018 in the midterms was where you started to see campaigns try different things out. You know, the 2018 midterms were you had a very diverse slate of candidates. You had a lot of female candidates. And so I think I think you could see a lot of experimentation because people were trying to kind of present themselves in different ways. You know, in Texas, you had Beto O'Rourke, who's using this black and white. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez was going with purple and yellow. In Georgia, Stacey Abrams kind of had this peach thing going, you know, kind of going with Georgia peaches. She had some purple. She had some turquoise. She had all this experimentation with color. Once the presidential campaign started, you still started to see that. But I also think like whoever the eventual Democratic nominee is, no matter what colors they're playing with now, you're going to see them move toward a more traditional approach in the general election. Like you look at the Warren campaign, she uses kind of this deep, almost purple blue and this mint green, they call it Liberty Green. But then you kind of look at her campaign merchandise and they have some stuff that's like a little more traditional. And so I can really imagine that whoever the nominee is, once we get to the general election, you'll see branding that's a little more traditional, a little more going towards what we expect out of politics. Right. That makes sense. I guess, I, you know, I think I'm conflating messaging and visuals here. Um, well, do the campaigns feel that they own certain colors? Uh, the Warren campaign definitely does with Liberty Green. Liberty Green. Hold on. I, I need to look this up. Hold on. Um, okay. So Liberty Green is their color. They're going to apply it broadly. Oh, it's like a mint. Oh, it's very nice. Rich is showing it to me. It's like mint chocolate chip ice cream. Now, the one I've seen go the furthest afield is Sanders, right? Like he's got like the Strokes is doing a Sanders concert. Like there's more uh, visual play around him than I see from others. Or are there other ones who are, are kind of branching out? I mean, I the ones I see that kind of play with it the most, you, they have a lot of supporters kind of doing different things. And so I like Sanders and Warren, they have a lot of supporters who are artists and designers who kind of make their own stuff. Well, who gets recontextualized the most in memes? Probably Bernie Sanders on the Democratic side. I mean, that's my instinct too, except for when Elizabeth Warren had that enormous inflatable dog and started everyone started chanting. Can you explain that dog? It's her dog. Isn't it like a... It's got, it's got a p two pennies around its neck and they kept chanting big structural Bailey. What? I think one thing they're really thinking is like if Elizabeth Warren's going to run against a president who doesn't have a first pet, like they're like, hey, if I'm elected, we'll have a dog in the White House again. Everybody loves the dogs. Rich just moved further to the center. I didn't know that was possible. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So that makes sense. So it's you were in Iowa this week to clarify for everyone, because this may air in a few weeks. We are just on the other side of the Iowa Car. primary. Yeah, which just went fantastic. <laughs> Um, just a, a just gleaming example of technology so, and what it can do. Well, actually, let's let's not start with the disaster of the carcasses first. But like, you're there, and like, how obviously everyone is just 
saturation bombing every eyeball with messaging. Who was standing out and, and where were the, were the signals coming from? What's it like to stand in the middle of that sort of vortex of, of advertising? I mean, I had like I was watching so much TV just because I wanted to see all the TV ads that were playing. And I mean, it's like it was ridiculous. Like after like an hour, I feel like I had seen every ad multiple times. There was one group that was running this ad that was just like anti Bernie Sanders. It was just like Bernie Sanders can't win. He had a heart attack. Americans won't elect a socialist. Like it was very much kind of going after like he is not the electable candidate. But wait, who? Is that a, is that a candidate? Yeah, or a who super is that? Pack Who's or? behind that? It was a super PAC that was running that ad. You had a lot of other messaging. Like the number one messaging across all the campaigns that I saw was candidate X beats Trump. There was a Biden ad that literally just had like all these polls up on the screen that was like Biden beats Trump in this state, in this state, in this state, in this state. These are all the states we have to win. And, and then the Warren campaign, they had this ad that was they had the, they had three different people who had caucused for different candidates in 2016. One of them caucused for Hillary Clinton, one for Bernie Sanders, and then one for Donald Trump. And they had the Trump guy just being like, hey, if a guy like me who supported Trump can support Elizabeth Warren, like she's our candidate. So like very much the message they were trying to get out was like, I am the candidate that can beat Trump. They always love that. They love, they, they get that one conversion experience and they're like, it's going to work. Don't worry. Yeah. How many American flags appeared in these commercials? Oh, I mean, it wasn't an overwhelming amount, but like right now is really it's it's like setting yourself apart. Like there are so many Democratic candidates that like a lot of voters still don't even know who they all are. So I think the role that design plays now is just like setting the candidates apart from each other. And now digital advertising, right? What are your broad ops? What are your predictions for what we're going to see over the next couple of months? We have 260 days or so until the election. It's a lot of days. What's coming? What should we be looking for? A big thing is like Facebook is still letting politicians lie in Facebook ads. So a politician could put something up that's not true. And Facebook is just like, oh, well, that's for the voters and the media to kind of decipher. Like one thing I can say, because some of my reporting, like whenever there's like something in the news and a campaign like starts to fundraise off it, I like to kind of go through and look at all of their ads and be like, these are the overwhelming messages. These are the things that are happening. But the problem is there's just so many ads. Like when I go on the Facebook ad library, my browser crashes sometimes when I'm trying to look through them all just because there's so many. They run a bunch of different variations. So you'll see like when the Trump campaign first rolled out, it's Keep America Great hat. They had like a handful of different images they use, but then they're using like different copy to go with the ads or like they use like different color buttons on the ads or they like zoom in on something or they say like shop now or they just there's so many variations and they're just kind of A-B testing everything to see what works with what demographics. I think the big trend is going to be just the sheer number of ads and the sheer amount of variation to find the ads that are the most effective. Well, they'll just automatically A-B test until they see which gets the most funding, right? They'll just, just yeah. go into the system. So this will be like the first Salesforce election. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. We're going to see a lot, a lot of that. And I just like, I'm glad that Facebook and Google have these ad libraries. Like it's a great resource for journalists, 
But like, it's almost too big for me just being an independent journalist, looking at one thing on my own, like it's overwhelming. And it's just like, I think they need to improve their tools even more so we can see how these ads are being tailored and targeted and who they're reaching. It's just like in the olden days, everyone saw the same campaign ad. A campaign had to put out the same message knowing that everyone was going to see it on TV. But we're now at this place where they can show it to a very select group of people. I mean, you look at the ad library and it's like some ads target just like men of a certain age in one state. Well, aren't they also auto-generating like certain messages based on, or is that if they put a stop to that? I don't know how much of it is auto-generated. You can go into into Facebook and just kind of set your different audiences. It could be like the Facebook t-shirts where it's like, who's an Aries with diabetes who loves Trump, right? Like it's, <laughs> you're looking at them. No, but this was a huge part of Trump's strategy sure. last, in the last election is they were studying you and, you know, you were into X and Y and they would push a particular headline just for you. Hunter, what are these ad libraries? I don't know if people know what they are. Yeah, so you go into it. It's just like this page that Facebook sets up, and then you can search a candidate. So you type in Donald Trump, then you click on his name, and you have this page that shows how much money the campaign has spent overall. And then you can kind of break down the ads between ads that are active, ads that are inactive, whether they run on Facebook or Instagram. You can search certain keywords. So like when I was doing uh, research for like their Keep America Great hat marketing, like I just I typed that in to kind of see what it is. And so it just shows all the ads and it scrolls and you go down forever. Like it's so big. And after a while, your browser just can't handle it. But it just it's a library of all the ads that the campaign is running or has run on the platform. Let's shift a little bit to sort of this world of the design in terms of the creators around this stuff. Where is this stuff getting done? I imagine that, you know, Pete and Warren and Joe don't have a team of designers churning out art. Yeah, a lot of the campaigns, they have designers on staff who are making their stuff. Interesting. See, I always imagined it would be... No, remember Robin Kanner when she was on the show? She was the the Beto O'Rourke, one of the designers for Quinn. Yeah, and there's a creative director... Is there someone the equivalent of a creative director? He's like, oh, that's that. No, I think capitalizing you kind of have an on the ground agency that works with you. Okay, so it's designers on staff and agency is giving guidance on messaging and and things like that. You got to make the T-shirts really fast and make them for sale. It's very like real time now. Yeah. For a lot of the campaigns, they start out working with an outside agency, like an outside agency creates the initial brand and then they hand it over to the campaign to use. That makes sense. So every so every major candidate out there has their branding guide, has their their sort of framework, and they are essentially little agencies on wheels that are running sort of behind the bus to support whatever messaging needs to be created in that moment. Yeah. And they just they pop up stuff in real time. It's like you're watching debate and like if a candidate has a zinger that really breaks through by the end of the debate, like they have a T-shirt ready to go. It's very reactive. It's interesting. I find that the visuals that stay with us out of these campaigns don't come from some of your basic, you know, to me, I have like, I think of the red hat, the Make America Great Again hat. I think of the Hope poster. I don't have one in mind for Hillary. I don't have one in mind for... You know what's bad with Hillary is that the opposition was able to set the visual agenda a lot of the time. Like, here she is sick, and here she is... Yeah, yeah, yeah. So she was never able to fully own her own visual narrative in comparison to how the Trump campaign owned it for her. Yeah, and I'm I'm not seeing... Well, it's early days here, so I don't think... I think we don't have a presidential race yet, but it feels very muddled today. Like, I don't see anybody... 
I wish the Democrats would shit on each other a little bit more. This way you can see who's really ready for a fight, you know? In well, I mean, I think Pete is a living PowerPoint, right? You're just going to get, like, good flow graphics about America. That's going to be exciting. I don't think Pete's real. I think Pete no. is... Pa- he's, for, he's created by Unity, which yeah. is a 3D rendering platform. Warren, for me, is always going to be the giant inflatable dog, and I don't know what's happening. And then I think, for me, Sanders is just a guy saying, you don't need to take penicillin. I just, I just don't imagine design reaching for that. Like, who's yelling at design saying we have to create an image that's going to burn into people's minds. Is that the mindset or do you just stumble on that? Like, if I'm not mistaken, the Hope poster, that wasn't even from the camp. It was just a fan, right? Yeah. yeah Shepard Ferry, he was an Obama fan and he wanted to make a poster. It was unauthorized, but he did reach out to the campaign kind of through an intermediary to just like make sure it was okay. Cause he's like, does the campaign, are they cool with like a street artist who gets arrested for vandalism? It's like, yeah, we're cool with it. But yeah, I, I think if you can have moments that are not directly from the campaign, I think those can really break through. Absolutely. You know, he got, he got in trouble. I think he got sued because the photo was copyrighted. Oh, right. It's like a Getty Images photo or something. But I think you kind of see the way that design can be a form of grassroots support. Like the Buttigieg campaign, they had their style guide. They put it up on their website. So you can go on their website and download high-res images of the logo. They have all the colors there. They have all the typefaces they use. Oh, does it have the page that tells you how you can't use the logo? That's my favorite page. <laughs> they should. But then that almost invites like trolls. It really does. And everyone will simply do that. Yeah. The, well, the, like, the Warren campaign, they don't have that. But I talked to some Warren supporters in this Artist for Warren group, and like they made their own, like they made their own unauthorized Warren style guide that was like, these are the colors they use. And then like they even had some alternatives for the typefaces because Warren chooses a typeface called Ringside and it's expensive. So, so I think that there's this movement with creators to use design as a form of grassroots support and making your own images that still kind of fall in line with the candidate's brand. You know, we'll see how effective that is, but there's definitely a movement with that. And then share them out digitally on social media or t-shirts or like, what are they doing to distribute the imagery? It's digital, it's merch, it's, I mean, kind of whatever, you know, or or if there's going to be like campaign events, they make their own stuff. But yeah, there's kind of this unauthorized but supportive, you know, supporters making their own stuff. It's like the Grateful Dead being cool with bootlegs. Sometimes, you know, designers want to get involved and sort of put their talent towards either a candidate candidate they believe in or a cause they believe in. What's a good entry point? Like, how, how do people go about going in that direction? I think it's tapping into the community. Like if you are a designer and you want to make stuff for a candidate, I think you might find like the pre-existing community online. And it's kind of like once you get plugged in with them, you have greater distribution. Like they like sharing your stuff. You know, they might share their own unauthorized campaign style guide with you. But yeah, I think it's finding supporters. And like, you know, some of that might be through candidates. There's some groups that are more based around other campaigns that it's not specific to candidates. But yeah, I think it's finding the pre-existing community. Hunter, tell us about your newsletter and how people can get in touch. Yeah, so it's on Substack. You can subscribe at yellow.substack.com. That's Y-E-L-L-O, no W. And I just, I have a free newsletter that comes out every week. I try to cover culture and branding and visual rhetoric and politics. And then I, I publish other stories occasionally about that kind of stuff. Great. What's your favorite logo? 
I mean, I like the ones that really stand out and are just like a little bit different. Like one that really stands out is Amy Klobuchar because she uses like this big serif font called McKay. And so it's just like, you see that and you're like, that is not, like you won't mistake that for any other candidate. You know, Bernie Sanders uses Jubilat, like a slab serif. Joe Biden uses Brother 1816, which is this really sharp font. So like the A's and W's and M's are really sharp. I like ones that for even from far away, I can see it. And I know what candidate that is. Like, it doesn't look like anyone else's. <laughs> All right, great. Well, Hunter, thank you so much for coming on Track Changes. Yeah, thanks, Paul. Thanks, Rich.